God, I thank you and praise you for the word of God. I thank you for the Lord's table. And I thank you for this local assembly. I thank you for the things that you have done and you are doing and will continue to do as Christ builds his church. And I pray, Father, that as we have this opportunity today to partake of these elements, that you would help us to examine ourselves, help us to be challenged, and might we be just renewed and refreshed in our love for you because of what you have done for us. Commit our time in the study of God's word to you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. We are here today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and uh, as a church, we do that once a month. We do it the first Sunday of the month. Usually, there have been times where we've made adjustments. Uh, the summer has been referred to already is basically behind us, though technically we are still in the summer months, but the summer is behind us, and uh, it's good to have change during summer months. Uh, as a church, we've had a couple of things that have happened. We, in case you forgot, at the beginning of it, we had the Grand Staircase uh, tour in which a number from this local assembly and others as well went on it. We had a marvelous time. It was a real blessing. Right up to last week, uh, in, in between, for example, we had the Carnival Day for the children, which uh, went very, very well. It was a real blessing and a little different from VBS, but uh, a different uh, thing this summer, and that was a blessing. And last week, we just came back from the wilds of New England, and those that were there, I know it was a wonderful fellowship, uh, a great time, and something that you folks need to take advantage of when we gather together. So those things are encouraging. And in addition to that, there's vacations that everyone takes, and there's things that happen so that there's all kinds of changes. And now we're back, though we're still technically in the summer months, we are here in the fall. And as just uh, you have heard from Pastor Chris in some of the areas, we are ready to begin, and things have begun as far as a new year, technically. We're not the calendar new year, but as a church. And we just began the Christian growth classes, and there are brochures that are available for you on that. Small groups of which has been communicated through our computer system, and also today, and is on the board. Children's ministries, uh, there's some changes taking place there. There's some exciting things going on. Men's dinner coming up. We have men's ministries. The Sunday, uh, Saturday Bible studies will be starting. I know the women's uh, leadership met this week in my office, and they're making their plans. Teens are going again. There's all kinds of things and activities and a lot of things uh, that are beginning again, and it's an exciting time. And uh, some are involved and some are not involved, right in this audience, as we talk about a number of these things. And, but I want us to take a step back today, and, and I want us to ask a couple of things of ourselves. First of all, let me begin with this question for all of us, starting with me. When you came here this morning, were you excited? Don't answer it out loud. Be honest in your heart. Were you excited? Or are you here? Because I guess I got to go. I guess I got to go someplace. I don't want to. I'd rather be in bed. I'd rather be whatever, whatever, whatever. Answer that for yourself. Let me ask you another question. Myself as well. Why? Why are we doing 
what we are doing. As a church, as individuals, why? Why have these programs that you just announced? Why have these meetings? You say, well, Fred just came up and said it's an opportunity for, to, to invite some unsaved. Yeah, it is. But why? Why are you doing it? Why are you coming to church? Why am I coming? Why am I preaching? You say, well, it's obvious. We love the Lord. Listen, around the world today, yesterday, different times, depending upon, I'm going to be a little loose here for a minute, religion, there are a lot of people doing a lot of religious things. Some of them are doing it at local churches. And some of those are doing it in big perspective. I mean, I'm talking about thousands and tens of thousands and huge churches. Others are doing the same thing in a quote-unquote small little home church. Others are doing it in buildings like we are, the size that we are. Some are doing it uh, for whatever reasons. But there is a lot of activity going on around the world in the name of religion and in the name of God. Many times those things are just going on and they're going on out of routine. They're going on out of ritual. Some people go and some people are involved, for example, because they're comfortable. Comfortable with what? Comfortable with the people. Comfortable with the fact that they're getting what they want. Uh, my needs are being met. And they're going to whatever religious activity, wherever that religious activity might be, because their needs are being met and because I just feel comfortable and I want to do something religious. There are others because they really want to be. They're excited. There are some others that are involved, whether it be in a mega church, like I just said, with 10,000 or the smallest little quote-unquote home church, are doing it because everybody else is doing it wrong. And uh, I'm going and doing what I'm doing because this church is wrong, that church is wrong, this church is wrong, that church is wrong, this one's wrong, that one's wrong, this person's wrong, that one's wrong, but I'm right. And I'm doing it because we got the thing. There's all kinds of things going on. And here we are beginning in another year, and we're going to get involved in activities. And the question is, why? We have come here today to a communion service, and I told you just so, and if you don't think that's true, I can say it honestly before the Lord. I am well prepared for the next number of messages. But as we came to the communion service this morning, we come to communion time, we come to the start of a new year for us as a church, for me, for a lot of you as teachers, for those that are involved in the children's ministry. I think it's a good time for all of us, all of us, to be challenged and to ask ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. For many of us, we've been doing it a long time. 
and we have known the truths of the word of God. But here we come to communion. But let's ask ourselves, why am I coming to church? Why am I going to participate in communion? Why should I be committed to anything? And you say, how is this going to tie into communion? I think by taking a step back. I am going to talk about some truths this morning that for many of you are so fundamental that you will quote verses after verses after verses before I either get there or that I don't even go to. You know it so well. But how excited are you? How excited am I really about belonging to Christ? About coming to the local assembly? About being involved in the things of God? I'll be honest, I'd like to pull everybody out of the nursery right now and out of the children's ministries to hear this part of it. How many of us Pastor Cohen, his church as well. Are we excited? Prior to salvation, let me remind us of some things. Prior to salvation, it was true with me, many of us lived our lives our way. We did. We did what we wanted to do. We probably threw some type of religion, whether it's what we were brought up with or we tried something because we... We had some sensitivity to the fact that there's got to be some religion in my life somehow. But we also, if we're honest, had a lot of questions. I'm just going through this actually with my new Bible class in the school. We probably had some honest questions. Really, what am I doing? Why am I here? What about God? Is there really a God? What, what's he like? Uh, is there really life after death? I, I know I've heard things. It, those are questions we all had before we came to salvation those of us that know the Lord. And we were honest, but we were busy with doing certain things and everything was just involved, but the bottom line was we were unregenerated. We were lost. We were what we call unsaved. We were what the scriptures call the living dead. Alive physically, absolutely dead spiritually. And there's probably some in this room that are still in that condition. I don't care how long you've been coming here. That's not what I asked. That are, that are still going through motions and even talking about life, but there is no life. I want to walk us through some things, and really before we get to communion, that's why I wanted the communion at the end that we really have the opportunity once in a while, for those of you that may be just visiting or new to the church, once in a while I think it's right as a pastor to give back to not just having communion ritually, but really examining what is this all about and what is happening, and this is the time to do it. Follow along with me. I want you to walk through me, though you could quote them. As I said, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. If you are born again, if you are regenerated, if you are alive in Christ, if you are a child of God, not playing religion, but truly belong to him, here's what the bottom line was for you. In chapter 2, and I'm coming back to Ephesians later, but chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead 
who is Peter, uh, excuse me, Paul, told you I knew what was going on with Peter. Uh, what, who is Paul talking to? Well, look at chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are where? At a local church. Where? In Ephesus. He's writing to saints in a local church, and he said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That was our condition. Prior to becoming a saint, those who were at this Ephesus church, they were dead. They thought they were alive. They were doing religious things. They were going through the motions. They were trying the best they could, but they didn't realize that they were spiritually without life from God. They were dead, and that is also true with you and I prior to coming to Christ. We were dead. It's defined by Paul in Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. Romans chapter 5. Before we partake of communion, I want you to remember these things. Romans chapter 5. Let me just get to the meat of it. Look at verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the what? Ungodly. We didn't think of ourselves that way. We didn't think of ourselves as ungodly. We were just doing what we did. But we were ungodly. We were dead. We were helpless. He says in verse 7, For one willing will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet what? Sinners. Christ died for us. That was our state. Helpless, dead, sinners, ungodly. Much more, verse 9, than having now been justified by, the blood of, by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. That's why in chapter 8, Paul's going to say, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. But we weren't there. For while, verse 10, we were what? Enemies. I didn't walk around, I'm being honest with you, before I came to know Christ, I didn't walk around in this world thinking I was an enemy of God. I wanted to know God. I did some religious things. I got involved. I went to church. I did a number of things. And I didn't see myself as an enemy, but I was. And so were you, if you knew Christ. An enemy. An enemy. That's what he says. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God. What happened? Before we were saved, we were trying to establish our own righteousness. We were trying to come up with a way, if there is a heaven, that we can get there on our own. We were not related to God. We didn't know God. We might have known religious things. We might have known some things about God, but we had no relationship with him. And listen, folks, we had no relationship with one another. I had no relationship with you. You had no relationship with me. Believers on this side had no relationship with those over here. You had no relationship with those over there. You didn't even know one another. That's where we were. Prior to coming with Christ, we were without hope living in this world the best way we could. 
hoping something would work out. And there are some in this room that are still doing that, even in coming to church, hoping that God might be satisfied, hoping that they're with the right people, and maybe that'll help, but no relationship with God. Then we know God did a marvelous work. We just read it in Romans. Before I go back to Ephesians, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I will get back to our text for communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I really believe the longer we get saved, the more we forget that. We know it intellectually. We never forget salvation. And we know what Christ has done. But the reality and the excitement changes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He's writing to the Corinthian church, of which we're going to address with communion in a minute. And he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers nor effeminate no homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you right now that people today do not want anybody to say that. But the bottom line is God says it, and I repeat it. God says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. doesn't matter what's politically correct. But then he says this, such were some, finish it, of you. I was there. You were there. That's where we were, without hope. The enemies of God. And God did something. Look at what he says. But such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. I was changed. You were changed. We had nowhere to go. No relationship with God. And God did something to take us out of that state. That doesn't excite you. You say, well, it did. I've, I've shared my testimony with this church. I ran around like a chicken with a head cut off. I was so excited about the things of God. I couldn't wait to tell my family, even though they didn't want any of it. I got saved first in our family. I came home, and the first thing I did was talk to my wife about it. Is that the way I am now? Is that the way... You are now? You say, no, well, Pastor Dan, you know, like anything else, time goes by. Yes, it does. We have been set for eternity. We need to be a little excited. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm not going to turn there, you'll know it. We became a new creation. Why creation? Because God created us in Christ Jesus. 
I was something, now I'm something else positionally. In Ephesians chapter 2, I read verse 1, pick it up in verse 2. In which you were formerly, if you know the Lord today, listen to this. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working, that is now working, that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, what? Children of wrath. The world isn't saying that about themselves. That by nature you're a child of wrath, not a child of God. But watch. Even as the rest, but, and here's the change, God, it wasn't us, God being rich in mercy. Don't ever lose that. Because of his great love. Does you understand John 3.16? That was the messages up at camp. You understand for God so loved the world? Here it is. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved and put your name there. Even when we were dead. Isn't that what it says in verse 5? Even when we were dead in our trans trans transgressions, he made us alive. When a person's alive, they demonstrate it. It is seen. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It was God's work and raised, up, raised us up all of us that know Christ with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he didn't stop at salvation. He might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, as a not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Watch. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He saved us. It is exclusively found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what? So as we come to this communion table, if you are a believer, you were dead. You were lost. You had no hope. You didn't relate to anybody in here. You didn't relate to Christ. And God did a work, not us, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way, truth, and life. And you say, well, I believed on him. Praise the Lord. And now you're part of his body. You belong to Christ right now. You ought to be excited right there. So should I. And listen, folks. We are also part of the body of Christ. I belong to Christ, and in doing so, I not only now know you, I belong to you in the sense of we are part of the body collectively. And this particular church is the one that the Lord established right here. And we are part of a local body, a group of people who did not know Christ, who now know Christ, who did not know one another, who now know one another. And now we have a message that others need. And I won't turn to it today. I will in a couple of weeks. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have become not one person, 
but members individually, all collectively, which makes up the local body of Christ here and universally part of the body of Christ. Reality is, knowing all of those things, and for many of you, you do, it can become routine. Yep, I'm a member of the body of Christ. Yep, I'm going to see some people at church on Sunday. And we go back to our old ways. We forget why we're doing what we're doing. We forget what Christ has done for us. And you say, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I've really... Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, our text. The evidence that that happens is the text that is before us. I will not repeat verses 17 through 22, but you can read them. In this epistle, Paul, throughout the entire book, is addressing questions that they raised, they wanted to have some answers to. And there was a problem. What I will show you is, look at this, verse 17. But in, the giving, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because, watch this, you come together. What is he talking about? He's talking about when they come together, if you will. Allow me a little grace here. Coming like this for a morning service. They were coming together. Now, yes, this was involved with a couple of things. What is it? They were coming together for a love feast and for a meal and also for the Lord's table. And what was happening? You can look at it. When they were coming, coming together, excuse me, according to verse 18, there were divisions. There were factions. There were all kinds of things. There wasn't the excitement of, I belong to Christ anymore. There wasn't the excitement of, I belong to this person on the other side of the pew. We're members working together for Christ. And there wasn't the, the vision for the lost out there anymore. That happened to the Corinthian church. And Paul is calling them back. Why? They should have been excited. We are coming together for worship. Now, I know that this church is well taught. Worship should be happening seven days a week in our lives. We know that. But I can't get together with you for seven days a week. Neither can you get together with me seven days a week. You say, well, let's try it. It's impossible. Why? We got jobs. We got families. We got lives. We got things going on. This is one of the few opportunities we have to come together. This was the time when the Corinthian church could come together and their lives weren't filled with the busyness that we have. They should have been so excited. I'm coming together. Why do I want to get out of bed? Why do I want to come? This is an opportunity to be with other believers who love the Lord. This is an opportunity where I can come together, not just have my own devotions at home, I can come together and worship and study the word with the people of God. I'm excited, not just because I want to have a program that meets my need. Not because I just want to get something what I get out of. I can come together because I'm a child of God and I'm coming with people who know God. Listen, friend. Many churches, and I'm being general, but many churches haven't even got that right. They are gathering together and their one mindset is what can I do to make this environment pleasing to those who don't know Christ so that hopefully they'll, make, they'll come to know Christ. 
That is not why the church comes together. We're going to see in a minute, we're to partake of communion because that is to be a testimony to the unsaved when they do come in because they should see a visual aid that says that's what it means to belong to Christ. And what it should do is I should be coming together because we have an opportunity to grow together. That's going to be 1 Peter chapter 2. We want to grow. We want to love one another the way we should. We want to have excitement. And you say, yeah, well, the church isn't exciting. Uh, you know where it starts with? You say it starts with you, Pastor Dan. Honestly, you're right. Starts with the elders. Honestly, you're right. It starts with you. Are you excited about the things of God? Are you excited about what God has done for you? Are you excited to get together with the people of God? Are you excited? You know, this should be an extension. This coming together in that local church at Corinth should have been a sign of unity, an extension of worship that's been going on all week, a celebration of coming together, a constant care, a visual aid to the lost, and it was anything but it. But it. And why is that the case? That's terrible English, I know. And why was that the case? Because they, at Corinthian, in the Corinthian church, made it a mockery. You can read it for your own, up to verse 22. There were divisions, social favoritism, there was abuse. What was the bottom line? Here's the bottom line, folks. Self-centered lives. Me, what I want, what's best for my family, what's best for my situation, at my age, at my level, at my this, no concept whatsoever of the Corinthian body together. And what Christ has taken us out of, I should be excited when I look down this side of the church and see lives that God has changed. And when I turn over this side and I look down and I see these are lives that God has changed and he's brought us together. And the Corinthian church lost the focus. Why? Because the people lost the focus of what it meant to belong to Christ. My friends are coming to the communion service and right in the middle of that context, and time has escaped me, I am going to say a couple more words before I close, but in verses 23 to 26, look at it. He reminds them, look, I received from the Lord, which I delivered to you. The night he was betrayed, he said this, take my body. We're about to do that. Take this. And he broke it. He said, this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When we do this, we do it in remembrance of him, Christ, what he's done for us. In the same manner, he took the cup and then he said, drink it in remembrance of me. Why? Here it is, verse 26. For as often as they collectively come together and they ate the bread and they drank the cup, they were proclaiming the gospel. You say, I don't see the gospel there. They were proclaiming Christ's death. We are proclaiming to the world as we partake of this communion. That's why it's different. 
We come as people who were lost, who were enemies, who are now saved, and we are thankful. There never should be a time that we come to the communion service and we come in here that we were not prepared or excited. And I'll be honest with you, there's times I've come as a pastor and I was just lucky to get out of the house to get here on time. And then I thought, and I said, oh yeah, it's communion Sunday. Don't tell me you haven't done that. We should be coming and saying this is a great reminder of why I'm doing what I'm doing, of why this local assembly is here, of why God has given us these people to serve. I trust as we, and by the way, notice until he comes. It's also a reminder he's coming back. There's accountability, folks. So as we come to the communion table, I think even before, I know we got two songs. I don't know how this is going to fit in. You're not going to be able to sing all the verses. Let me just say that. I think it's more important. I do think a couple of verses or a verse of each song is fine. They're crucial things to sing. But I would suggest we quiet our hearts for a couple of minutes, all of us, when we're done here, and ask ourselves, do I have that zeal for Christ the way I did? Do I have a zeal for other believers? Why am I coming? Why am I not excited? How can I be involved? Be honest. Some of you aren't. How can I be involved? Why am I not using my gifts? Why am I not involved in other believers' lives if that's what I'm called to be? You say, I'm an isolationist. You got a problem. God didn't stick you in the body to be an isolationist. How can I be the light to the lost world excited about the things of Christ? Is that what I'm portraying in my conversations, in my lives outside of these doors, so that other people are looking at me and saying, I want that? At one time, it was probably there with all of us. Let's ask ourselves those questions. And then don't browbeat yourself. Be thankful that we have no condemnation. Be thankful that God is a forgiving God. Be thankful that God wants us to be excited about the things of God and about one another. And let's be humble enough to be like David and say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Renew a right spirit, not in the person on the other side of the pew, not in the person standing in the pulpit. Yes, renew a right spirit in them too, but renew a right spirit in me. Why? So when I come together, I'm excited that the body is functioning and that I can be a part of it where God wants me to be a part of it. Let's have a word of prayer and have communion. Men, you should be getting ready to come down. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the opportunity to have communion. I know if I'm honest in my own heart, there are times I forget what Christ has done. I get so caught up in my own little world. I forget the body, forget the things that you have done for all of us collectively. I pray, Father, and ask that you'd help us to remember the cost of our salvation through Jesus Christ and who we are and what we've been given. And help us, Lord, to function together as a body as individuals who love you, who are excited about the things of God.
And Father, help us not blame anyone else, but look at ourselves and let you work in us in such a way that we have just the joy of our salvation excited again. And that, Father, as we begin this new year as a church, we might look for where I can be involved in Bible study, what I can attend, what I can do, and how God can use me so that we would be excited and that excitement would go into other people's lives who don't know Christ, that they'd be drawn to him. Maybe some other brothers and sisters who are down might lift them up. And I pray as we prepare our hearts for this communion, help each one of us to think upon where we are at that you might help us to love you better and as we should. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you're born again, we encourage you to partake of the elements uh, this morning. I think they're going to be singing as the elements are given out. And I would say that you take this time to really think and meditate on the things of God. It's all